Hi, this is Conan O'Brien. You're listening to Dana, the late night cat. Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm Dana, and I'm here with producer Shar. Hello. Good afternoon. Good day. Good year. We've made some choices here at Radio Rehab. Uh, they're not. It's not. It's not like a good or a bad choice, but. Here's what's happening. Producer Shar and I were talking. It's not a good choice? No, it's a girl. Yeah, you know, it's actually, it's an excellent choice. Let me subliminally put that into people's head. No, but so we've been talking, and yes, this show has been more or less about recovery for recovery. And what it boils down to is, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing podcasts. It's like anybody in this day and age can do a podcast if they want to. And I mean this in no way to sound arrogant, but Producer Shar and I are both radio people. She's an actual radio producer. I'm an actual radio personality, a voiceover person, you know, somebody who's done commercials and still continues to do that stuff. And we feel like we have more to offer you guys listening than just recovery. And I feel like, you know, some some of those subjects that we talk about are lost on certain people. So we are still going to have that show. That show is still going to be once a week. I will never stop doing that show. And it's my mission in life to be able to help somebody with that show, open somebody's eyes up with that show, anything. But we are also going to do a show. So we're going to have two shows a week that's going to be about entertainment. Because we can talk about pop culture, we can interview people, we can bring you celebrities, we can get you, we've got more to talk about than just recovery. So we're adding this to our roster and we're kicking it off with an interview that we did together with uh, Conan O'Brien. Perhaps you've heard of him. <laughs> he's a, he's kind of a big name. Or he's yeah, a, he's, he's some, kind of a big deal. Some people know him. I mean, some people have heard of him. If you haven't ever heard of him, uh, you can Google him. Um, yeah. Conan. I mean, this was this was really cool. It was a few years ago when Conan O'Brien came to San Francisco, where we are, to record his show live. I think he did, what did he do, like two or three shows here? Uh, he did a week's worth of shows. Oh, wow. Okay, so yeah. he did a week's worth of shows here. And then they filmed these little bits of him, you know, taking a tour of the city. It was so fun, funny because he went into like a pot dispensary. And he walked, it was I so just, funny, you remember that? I, I remember him going to uh, the Full House house, and he was in those little go-kart Yeah, because the, they've got these little weird go-kart cars for people who are, tur- you know, if you're a tourist, that you can take all around San Francisco. And he, of course, Conan O'Brien, by the way, if you don't know this, is like, what, six foot six or something? He's huge. Tall, he's tall Irishman. Very tall. He's larger than life. So you see him, he's all leg, get into these cars. It was super hilarious. But at the time, Charlene and I were both working for CBS Radio, and we got to do this exclusive interview with Conan O'Brien, which was super awesome because they only let three people do it, right? There's only three media outlets that got to interview Conan. Right. And uh, and I believe at the time we were the only radio station. We were we were the only it was radio. A, it was an exclusive radio thing, and it came across uh, it came across my desk because you were the resident Conan fan. Yeah, uh, in the in a uh, total fan go- girl like dork style. Uh, we decided that of the on air staff talent, it was you that should get to do the interview, which of course means. Uh, I was your handler, and I got to produce you. Yes, you were my handler, and you were a great talent handler. First of all, because we're friends. Second, she knew how nervous I was. This was, I didn't sleep the night before, and even though you guys know my history, I was not on anything. I took my job very seriously, um, especially the Conan thing. I was not, I mean, I was literally all nerves. I didn't get any sleep. 
the night before. I was so nervous. And I always I always make jokes about it. It's like, remember on Saturday Night Live, which Conan O'Brien wrote for, the Chris Farley sketch where he would be interviewing somebody and he like like Martin Scorsese and he's like, Hey, remember when you directed Goodfellas? That was awesome. I was so scared that that's how it was going to be. In fact, the morning show was all joking about it. They called it my Chris Farley interview with Conan because I was so nervous because I know so much about the guy. I'm like one of his cult followers. You know, not, I mean, he's kind of a cult sensation to certain people. And I've always loved his writing. I've always loved, like, a little bit about Conan. He was a writer for the show called Not Necessarily the News that was on HBO. I remember that. that? Yeah, that was a great show. Yes, it was genius. And that predated The Daily Show. And much like The Daily Show, like, because I don't really like watching news, that's where I got my news. That was my news outlet, was watching, you know, Jan Hooks from Saturday Night Live was also on that. It It was a great, that show was brilliant. He wrote for that. He wrote for Saturday Night Live, of course. Um, he wrote for The Simpsons. I mean, he like this guy has a huge, huge cult following. Uh, the first thing he ever did while he was in college, he made a spoof of the video game One on One, Dr. J versus Larry Bird, that had the Boston Celtics playing against a classical ballet troupe, which I personally think is genius. He also uh, did a pilot called Look Well, starring Adam West, uh, also known as Batman. And, like, the pilot never got made into a series, but it had a huge cult following. Like, people who like Conan O'Brien and who know Conan O'Brien know this stuff. And you'll, you'll see when you, when you listen to the interview, in the end, I bring up a gem, a, a fan dork gem, and he completely takes it and, and <laughs> runs with it. And it's just, it was the highlight of my damn life. I've peaked. Well, you can hear me peak in what's, this. Uh, what's funny is um, I haven't heard this. I hadn't heard this audio in, in a while. And um, when you and I had been talking about wanting to do this entertainment section of Radio Rehab, I found it and I revisited it. And there were, you know, what actually got like this is all exclusive stuff. Like, oh, it's very because exclusive. It was, and it's the first time you will ever hear it in its entirety. Yeah, because it was a fourteen, it was a fourteen or fifteen minute interview. But we only aired like a few minutes, like five or six minutes of it. Right. And then I didn't even remember that we had done like this, you know, um, like a almost like a little outtake of like a precursor of like oh here we are sitting here waiting and it was when I was listening to it, I was just cracking up because we were such dorks such dorks and I was so nervous and, and yeah so producer Sean and I have decided like you know when you're watching a movie and then you see the credits and they're playing bloopers from the movie so after you listen to the interview when you listen to the show at the end of it we're going to run us talking candidly before we interviewed Conan O'Brien so you can hear how Nervous and dorky. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll throw it on as a as a bonus three or four minutes at the end of the at the end of the program. Yeah, you end. get a bonus feature. But uh, yeah, it was it was you and I just like I think I was even coaching you on how to do because this was one of your first bigger bigger. It was interview. my first big interview, and I'm used to being you know a radio jock where the mic, you know, the mic is just sitting there. You don't. I'm not used to holding the microphone with my hand and then having to pass it to somebody else I'm talking to. I'd never done that. And, and yeah, it was. But yeah, you hear it, and it's like we're so random, and we're just sitting there. We're just being us. You were like, being us. It's it, it was like us if there wasn't a mic on, but there was a mic on. <laughs> yes, but there was. <laughs> yeah, we're at the Orpheum Theater, which is on Market Street in San Francisco. It's a huge, beautiful theater, and I mean, it was just really cool because you know what? Everybody was only given ten minutes with Conan, and they really pushed that rule. 
But with us, we got almost well, 15 minutes. Well, we were in- last, which was yeah. cool. Because I didn't even, it was weird how it started. I even, like, I think if we can find the pictures, it, it was the most casual thing Ever. It was super because, casual. It was, but not with everybody else. Because I was sitting on the floor, and you were sitting over there, you know, testing the sound equipment, and I just was sitting on the floor waiting. And he's like lying there on the floor. Yeah. Well, he came in and he's like, "Where do you want to sit?" I'm like, "Well, wherever you want to sit." And he goes, "Hey, let's just sit on the floor." And he sat down on the floor with me. It was the most relaxed. He was so cool. He did. He made me feel comfortable when I was nervous. And he's just the coolest guy. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a lot of fun. And like I said, the 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 two other media outlets that were there, they did it. Um, we were in the ba- the the kind of quote unquote waiting room was like the, the green room area. Yeah, it was the balcony, and um, the other ones were TV press. Yeah, so they were, TV. they were they needed like they needed something besides just him. So they like had the the stage in the background of you know right Max Weinberg practicing and all that. And so like they had like a scene. And then when all of that was done, they were just like. Yeah, let's go into the room where it's quiet and let's hang out. Yeah, it, it was like literally, yeah, it was like he was hanging out with us. It and he had nothing cool. else to do, so he just kept talking. And so we were fortunate to have, and you know, like, yeah, it is a, it, it is one, it is a definite career highlight of ours to be able to say that we got to uh, interview Conan O'Brien. And my favorite part is that he enjoyed the interview so much that his handler was like trying to go, stop, come on, we got to go. But he kept talking because it was an interesting conversation. It's cool. So... So yeah, that's that. This is the first of a uh, every Tuesday. Now we're going to be doing these uh, kind of entertainment pop culture. Um, we're going to start lining up some guests. We're going to start talking about TV and yeah, stuff talking in the news. about what's in the news. And, TV. And, yes, I'm a recovering person, but I you know right. And recovering that, uh, people also live lives. Right, yeah, <laughs> little known fact. But um, and it's and like you said, it's like this isn't. It's not. This isn't going to be the main focus. Or one or the other. These are two shows that we do every week, and they're two different episodes, but we want to, you know, reach everybody. Yes, you will still get the regular radio rehab show that you're used to, and then you will have the entertainment one. Hey, do you not like comedians and stuff like that? Well, then don't listen. But come on, I'm sure you do. (laughs) So here, we're going to kick it off with uh, what I consider to be a huge A-lister, Mr. Conan O'Brien. This is Dana. I'm here with Conan O'Brien, who I think is a genius, and he's here at the Orpheum Theater in San Francisco all week long. Welcome to San Francisco, and what have you been doing? Anything cool or just work since you've been up here? Uh, I started today by getting a stomach virus. That was a lot of fun. So my head was in a toilet this morning, but now I'm feeling much better. Emodium? Uh, You know, I didn't do that. It was all, uh, you know, the vomiting. Probably not something to talk about on the radio. We'll start again. It's very, this is very unpleasant stuff. We'll start again. <laughs> no one wants to hear about me vomiting. Um, I enjoy that and like ass, and I think it's funny. So. Okay, good. Did some vomiting, but I think that's 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 over now. So I'm done with that. Uh, San Francisco. You know, uh, we're combining the two. Like we'll go somewhere and we'll shoot, and then we screw around afterwards and break something. So it's been a nice combo platter of doing the work and then having a good time and going to like a, a, a cool restaurant. I can't remember the name of the. We went to a great Chinese food restaurant last night. What? Eliza's. It was really cool and kind of different. And uh, so we'll work and then we'll go to a great restaurant. Um, and it's been fun. It's great to be in another city. It's, and San Francisco's amazing. I mean, the people here are really cool. They're laid back. It's a nice change from New York where everyone just screams and throws battery acid at you. So <laughs> they don't do that here, which is nice. What, what made you decide to come to San Francisco? Like, why bring the show here? 
Uh, well, you know, I had a short list of cities I really wanted to do late night in. Um, Chicago was one because that's supposed to be a great comedy town. It's where, you know, Second City uh, and, and improv. So many great comics came out of Chicago. And San Francisco was another one because um, it has an amazing reputation among comedy people as having some of the best audiences. Uh, the audiences here are supposed to be smart, which could prove a problem for us. Uh, but they're supposed to be really nice and nurturing. And we always thought, you know what San Francisco's got? It's, it's got that funky you know, uh, quality, uh, it, they let you, you know, uh, fly your freak flag a little bit here. Do you know what I mean? And the stench. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I don't know. So I thought, yeah, that would, might be a good fit for our show, which is a little off kilter. So San Francisco, our late night show just felt like, yeah, it could work. It could be nice. Well, you mentioned second city in Chicago. You were part of the groundlings in LA, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I actually just studied there for the most part. I never really, uh, but by, by the time I was getting called up to do a lot of the main stage work, I, I had to go to New York to do Saturday Night Live. But, um, but yeah, most of my improv training was at the Groundlings. I always want to know, my friend Amit was on your show when it was in L.A., and he used to make my dad and I watch it, and it would be him coming out in, like, a chicken costume. And I always wondered, like, who writes the skits? Who decides how the skits are going to be on your show? We have uh, great writers. Um, not that one. <laughs> I don't know who did that. But... Um, yeah, we have really good writers, and they sit around and beat their heads against the wall and come up with really weird ideas. And because we're on at 1230 at night, we try it. You know, we say, all right, masturbating bear, maybe, let's do it. So we, you know, uh, I think some of the things that have come out of the show that people really like were sort of born of just uh, everyone sitting around, it's three in the morning, we need an idea, and that's when the really good stuff comes you know like an insult comic dog or you know the clutch cargo or year 2000 or you know that those ideas are born of like a weird desperation did you have any part in the um in preparation h raymond because that's like my favorite thing ever i i love that like was that the guy who does it yeah yeah preparation h raymond uh is uh a writer performer on the show who's been with us for a long time who's great Brian McCann Brian McCann is Preparation H Raymond and again that's one of my favorite things too because it's so it does no right to exist that piece you don't know where it comes from why does a man with giant ears and buck teeth who talks in a southern accent and has an ill-fitting suit wander the world handing out Preparation H it doesn't but it's one of those things that just hits some kind of sweet spot uh, and, uh, and I think that was Brian. That was Brian had, uh, he wanted to use a different product. No, I, you know what it was? I think it came out of the fact that Pre- uh, Preparation H sent like samples to the show. People send weird things to our show to try and get us to hold them up on the air. They'll think, you know, and I think Preparation H sent us some samples for some reason thinking that we'd hold them up on the air. They like never- someone mentioned an itch and then yeah. they were like, oh, have the... Exactly. You know, I'm so sorry to uh, hear that, Justin Timberlake. You know, you should use Preparation H. Uh, but we decided to just, you know, Brian just built this whole character around it. So I don't know if the Preparation H people are happy. I, I think they may not be. Well, I would think they get a lot of, uh, you know, footage out of that. It's like this guy. I think the burglar mask, though, is my favorite part of it. The little thing over his eyes because yeah. itching and broids and then burglar mask i just i think it goes together well i don't i it's now i'm disturbed i don't even thinking about preparation h raymond too much disturbs me i probably now i want to leave show business 
I, I just met you, and I've only talked about ass. Um, so, uh, working with Robert Smigel, as we were talking about uh, Triumph the Insult Comic right. Dog, did you, you know TV Funhouse and yes. the Annapals? Yes. Okay, so did did you ever do any writing with him on that, with I all of the animals? No, I didn't do any, because uh, that came after my show, and I didn't really have any time to to work on, uh, on anything else. So I wrote a, a lot with Robert before Late Night, show and then Robert was the first head writer so we wrote a lot in the early years of the show and then after he left um, I work with him on stuff sort of relating to our program but when he goes off and does things you know I'll give him my opinion every now and then but I don't have much time uh, to, to, to do it but he um, but Anna Pals Robert has always been obsessed with animals and how funny they are. And I think he's right. And his thing was always, you know, Disney tried to make animals cute. And Robert, I think, understood that animals are really funny when they're, it's a real animal. Do you know what I mean? And you can kind of tell they're so unselfconscious because they don't know they're on television. So I think that's where a lot of Robert's, you know, genius is knowing that animals are so hilarious. Do you know what I mean? When you don't do Yeah, that. and secretly gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. And, uh, and... You know, I even like that Triumph is... One of the things I think is great about Triumph is that his eyes don't move. His eyes are painted on. And I think that's one of the secrets of Triumph is that his eyes... There's just an insane glare to Triumph's face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that is true. That, and the other thing that I... Is the, uh, I know there's that rooster with Tourette's syndrome yeah. that's also on that show. Right, but right. yeah, all the animals don't really... They kind of have glass eyes or... Yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of expressionless. And they're... they're uh, they don't... Which I think... I don't know, somehow works. I don't know what it is, but yeah, his his animals, and he's working on a new show now. He was showing me stuff for, and again, it's about animals that live together, and it's kind of like a sitcom, but everyone's an animal, and one of the things I love is that it's interspecies stuff, so it's, there'll be a, you know, a rooster that's married to a dog, and they're having an argument in the bathroom, and you're like, how could a rooster be married to a dog? You know, and then their best friend, a cow, comes over, and he's married to a cat, you know, and I just, I, I love that. Yeah, and then they hang out with Robert Goulet, and yeah, it, it, it works, though. Yeah, it does work. Specifically because it was Robert Goulet, I think. But yeah, I think that stuff, that stuff is genius. So uh, I also was wondering about music on your show, because sometimes there's more obscure acts, and like sometimes, you know, there's bigger acts. Do you pick the music a lot? Or? No, I don't. We have a music booker, Jim Pitt, and we, you know... I like the sensibility of bopping around, so it's not, you know... I like that the show is not, does not have a... There's no snobbery to it. I like that it's just, uh, you know, um, we'll put on a big... We'll put on somebody who's got a top five hit, but then the next night you might see a band out of Brooklyn that you've never heard of before who aren't really selling a lot of albums. And I, I think when you're on at 12.30, you can do that. Do you know what I mean? There's not... Mm there's no huge pressure on me at 1.30 in the morning from 1.30 to 1.35 to, you know, you know, to score some huge ratings coup. So why not put on music that's going to reflect everything that's going on? And that's why uh, I love that our show, we've, we've had a bunch of people on television for the first time. I think, uh, no doubt, you know, Gwen Stefani and No Doubt uh, and uh, Green Day and Cheryl Crow, there's a bunch of people who came on our show uh, before they went on anybody else, and Jewel, and people like that. But I also like that we've had on these bands like Low Straight Jackets that wear Mexican wrestling masks and play surf guitar music. And I think 
great, you know. Uh, so this week, you know, it's uh, the Arctic Monkeys, and but it's also Tom Waits, you know, and you get a little, you know, and Snoop Dogg's coming, and you just, I don't know, we're just going for that weird blend again of a little something for everybody. And I think Chris Isaac's coming by, too. Yeah, like a mixtape. It's but sometimes I notice that you when you see a band, sometimes you're extra excited. Yeah. And you can just tell you're way into it. Like the distillers, for example. I remember you being really psyched because of how fast they played. Is there a performance you can think of off the top of your head that's like your favorite way up there? Well, it's hard to uh man, it's hard to it's hard to think of you know, we had Joe Strummer on with the Mescaleros and it was not long before he died and that really meant a lot to me because I'm a I love the clash. Um, and, uh, and, and there've been so many musical acts. I, I, I play guitar. I'm sort of like a hack guitar player and singer. And I love that sort of, uh, rock, early rockabilly, psychobilly, I call it. I like really fast rockabilly. And back when I was a writer on the Simpsons, um, you know, sort of late eighties, early nineties, I had, my hair was really big and I had the crazy sideburns and I used to love to just play that kind of stuff. You like know? the cramps kind of? It was kind of like um, the, the blasters. You ever hear the blasters? Yeah, definitely. You know, and, uh, and really early Elvis, like Elvis Sun Session stuff and uh, Buddy Holly. I mean, Buddy Holly actually is probably, uh, every three years I go into seclusion and just relearn all of Buddy Holly again and become obsessed with him all over again. Um, so... Yes, I, there's a lot of times when I go over and I, I'm still on camera and I'm talking to the band about their guitars or I'm talking to them, you know, if I really like the performance. It's fun. I'm like there as a fan, you know. Uh, so that's, that's nice, you know. It's, it's, that's a perk of my job is I get to see all this great live music. People are always saying, do you go to the clubs? Do you see the live music? I'm like, I don't have to. These great bands come and perform in my office space, in my cubicle. It's great. Well, there's a lot of really good live music in Boston. I know, I think you're originally from Boston, yes. like the Middle East and the Paradise and everything. So I was going to ask if you go see live shows ever. Do you? I don't so much now. Um, you know, I never actually really, I got I to gotta admit, I never went and saw a ton of live music. To me, it was all through uh, CDs, t you know, tapes, records. Mm -hmm. That's sort of how I got into it. And when I was trying to learn guitar, that's how I like to experience it so I could sit there and try and figure it out, play along, you know. So, what are you listening to right now? Is there anything you're you're listening to right now? Um, what am I listening to right now? I I really got into. Uh, damn it, I'm blanking on their names. I've been I didn't sleep. Um, uh, I, the Libertines. I really got into the Libertines. Oh yeah, Pete Doherty and Pete Doherty yeah. and uh, and I I I just thought these guys are it. They're going to be. And so I was so disappointed when Pete Doherty went spinning off into tabloid craziness because. I thought both, you know, uh, I thought their last album was really terrific, and there were a few songs in that that I kind of felt like, yes, this is the new direction. These guys, it's, you know, um, but I think you, you hear the same kind of cool stuff in the Arctic Monkeys. Um, I'm a bit of a British musicophile, so I'm always, I read Mojo magazine, and I'm mm -hmm. always going and, and, and trying to find out, like, Kaiser Chiefs, I hear they're, they're the new thing. I, I want to listen to the, the British bands a lot. Um, so that's... I'm always sprinkling them in, and then I'll go back and I'll listen to the old stuff again. Or I'll decide I want to learn uh, the Cars, you know, just because that was a band that was really big when I was getting out of high school, and I don't know if they're thought of as cool anymore or not, but I'll think, no, I want to know a few Cars tunes now. Um, the Cars, yeah, I remember that. High 
freshman year of high school, the cars. Well, yeah, like Rick Ocasek produces like La Tigre and like all those really cool like new, you know, hip right. bands like in Brooklyn and stuff like that. So they are cool. Yeah. Like there's still totally a need for that. Like that was good music. Well, also, I'm, I, I have endless respect. I'm not so much a jam band person. I have endless respect for someone that can, I think making a great two minute, 40 second pop song is next to impossible. And so I'm, and people that craft those, I think, are alien creatures that have come from another planet. And I have endless respect for that. So I'm always interested in when someone makes a good, amazing pop song, I'm, I, you know, and I don't care who it is. You know, it, uh, you know I, I just think, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. You know, it could, be, it could be a song I hear watching the OC or so, an OC rerun. You know, if it's a great pop song, it's a great pop song. Yeah, it's like, oh, I forgot about that. Right. Well, I, I guess we have to wrap things up. So I want to say uh, Conan O'Brien here at the Orpheum in San Francisco. But I have to do this one thing because I'm a big fan, and, and I hope this goes well. It's kind of a word association thing, and I just okay. hope it If I say, I've always wanted to interview Moleculo, you would say, The Molecular Man. There you have it. There's the interview. But here's where I need to explain something. So when Conan O'Brien hosted Saturday Night Live, one of the times he hosted, he's done it five times. All of the skits were so incredibly funny, but my favorite one is where he plays this superhero named Moleculo. And every time someone says the word Moleculo, the reason you know he's Moleculo is because he can't stop himself from going, the Moleculo man! So, in, in, in the end, Jorge Sanz is in it, and it's even in Spanish. And they say, oh, Moleculo, and he goes... You know, El Hombre de los Moleculos. It was, it's just hilarious. It was my favorite thing in the world. So I wanted to say something to get him to yell, the molecular man. So I brought up Moleculo. I'm thinking, you know, and when I said let's do this word association thing, he's looking at me like, I am so smart, you little peon. I, he could have ripped me apart. He thought it was going to be something stupid. But thankfully, it was a skit that he's also incredibly fond, fond of. Here's the dumb part, guys. Right after that, he and I have a great conversation, and I, I'm holding the mic in my lap. You can't even hear anything. You can hear us having a conversation, but not really. It was but, just kind of the way that you guys ended things. Yeah, and it was, it's like you didn't do a sign-off. You didn't do like, oh, thank you, blah, 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 blah. It was, uh, it, you're just like, I'm going to do this. And then when he did that end, you were just like, you even, I, I should find it. It's like, you were just like, oh, you're so cool. <laughs> you're like, I even have it. It's like, it's like, it's like quiet, and you're just like, oh, you're so cool. <laughs> I love it. And then that's, and then you guys start talking about that, but it's just like like it's like you like picture Dana, you know, like if she's talking to somebody and she's flirting, she's like twirling her hair. That's kind of how she was talking. Like they're just talking about like molecular and blah blah blah. And then yeah, and, and then, how he came up with it, and oh my god. And then it was oh we need to do our drops, and then he recorded drops for us, and then that was it, and we that said goodbye. So I mean, <laughs> but I remember during this part. Uh, producer Shar telling me like, did you not see me in the background? I was motioning for you to hold the mic up. And I was like, well, I just felt awkward. I didn't want to stick a mic in his face since we were having such a cool, you know, casual conversation and it felt like he was my friend. And now, of course, I regret it. Like, I regret a lot of things in my life, <laughs> you know, but yeah, but that was so awesome. We got to interview Conan. And, yeah, there was, um, you know, and it was a very much you kind of conversation. You know, yeah. like even back then, you know, what did we talk about? We talked. Obviously, you could see what a, what a, what a Conan fan you are. And it begins with some diarrhea. Talks about diarrhea. I think in the middle of it, well, I know in the middle of it somewhere, you're just like, well, I've only talked to you for like three minutes, and all I've talked about is like, you know, 
buttholes, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Yeah, you can see how I've changed and, so much, not during the years. And then, you know, music, and uh, yeah, it, it it just, it was a good spectrum, and like we said, it's it hasn't seen, it's never fully seen. The Light of Day, yeah, only day. pieces of this interview have been aired, so you guys just got to hear it in its entirety, except for the end, when Cone and I are having a casual conversation, and I'm not holding the mic up. But that's one thing that's so cool, and I just want to say this again, is he really stuck to his time with everybody else. And the guy was, his handler was trying to end the interview, but it was such a cool conversation that he kept talking and he hung out with us. And it really did feel like, hey, Conan likes us. I mean, it was a fun interview. I think he had a fun time doing yeah, it, too. And we've got pictures. Um, we're going to try to dig up the other ones of actually during the interview, yeah, there are some candid ones during the interview that that we will find, but we're gonna. But we def we do we have one yeah. for sure that it, it's on my wall, so I know that I have it. Yes, of the three of us, and he looks like a cardboard cutout. He does. He always looks like a cardboard cutout. I have some friends who have played on his show that in the band they've you know their band has played on Conan O'Brien, and they all say the same thing: is he looks fake when you meet him. Like you know, it's we're like, like, his, like I've posted that on Instagram a few times and, and everybody's like, is that real? Like, I know, but no, you no. can see his hand around us. But we have more pictures which we will try to dig up and put from the Conan Yeah, Brian. so we'll put, them on, we'll put them on Instagram, we'll put them on Facebook, and we'll put them on Twitter. Yeah, and by the way, if you want to contact us, if you have you know questions, comments, anything, email radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's G-O-T-O productions.com. You can call 415-496-9511. You can call or text that number anytime, even when we're not here. We're on the Twitter, the Facebook, and the Instagram, Radio Rehab Dana. Uh, check it out. You're going to find pictures. We'll post, we'll post a bunch. And from now on, you will get two Radio Rehab shows a week. And right. one of them is specifically for entertainment purposes. Yeah, and um, on Thursday this week, uh, we're going to release a, a our regular radio rehab that has to do with uh Dana's recovery yes. and addiction and all that other kind of crazy stuff. There's always <laughs> the stuff a good story. Charlene doesn't relate to, but the, that's interesting. There's always a good story there. We'll just say that. Always a good story. I consider that entertainment for a lot of people too. And then uh, next week we've got a good one for um for the entertainment show. You're actually going to interview yes uh, a documentary f- filmmaker and a um a food critic uh, yes. for the movie City of Gold. Which is amazing. Go check that out. We're not going to say too much about it, but it's Sundance, so, South by Southwest. I mean, this thing is huge. So just tune in next Tuesday. We'll have something good for you again. Of course. And so uh, what we'll leave you with is us being stupid on the microphone. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're, ju- we're just going to play it out. You can, you can turn it off now because we're done, or you can listen to us be stupid and then yeah. text us or email us and tell us what you thought of it. <laughs> It's the end of the show, so instead of music, you're going to hear outtakes of us at the Orpheum Theater, you know, much like bloopers at the end of a movie. Thanks for listening to Radio Rehab. Enjoy us sounding like asses. See you next time. Check, check, check. Just doing a little bit of check here. We're sitting on the, we're sitting in the little balcony of the Orpheum Theater right now, um, watching them set up a... The Conan O'Brien stage. How are you, Dana? I'm so nervous I could shit myself. That's <laughs> awesome. This is this is great. What were you saying about Max's drum set? That I'm I'm just seeing where Max's butt goes, and I just want to go kiss it. That 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 seat is just it 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 holds the butt of the hottest.
most jewiest, most sexy, awesome drummer I can think of right now. Mm. You know, I'm going to probably put this on air, right? <laughs> she doesn't know it. She thought I was just playing around, but I really am. I'm, I'm doing a pre, pre-thingy, majiggy, and testing this microphone, making sure we have time. But basically, we are. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon, like 3, 4 o'clock, and we're sitting here. We're one of three people that get to... Uh, interview the one and only Conan O'Brien you should probably be holding this mic so that um you know you can practice doing this thing you know the I'm so bad at this that's okay he'll lean into it he knows he's he's done this before I don't know if he's done it as you know bare bones you know where we have only one mic and the capabilities of only holding one mic. We have the radio exclusive, but we're the only ones holding with 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 the one microphone. Well, what if he leans into it and then I talk again and forget to lean back into it? Because you're too nervous. Because I suck. Yeah. Then you just have to. We're gonna have to go with it. See? Well, you know, that's what it is. That's how it goes. It is what it is. Oh, there he is. Good God, where? He is so tall. He's extremely, he's like, what, 6'4"? Yeah, he's 6'4". His head is the size of, like, both of our heads put together, I think. Anyways, do a little bit of a practice run. Like, you know, what's up, everybody? It's Dana here. What's up, everybody? It's Dana here. I'm, I'm, I'm here with... I'm here at the Orpheum Theater in San Francisco with the one and only genius Conan O'Brien. Conan, welcome to San Francisco. You want to be Conan? Sure, I'll be Conan. Okay, go. Hey, Dana, how you doing? <laughs> what was that? I don't know. What is he I, What is... I, I'm trying to think of a, you know, a Conan voice. All right, this is a really long, crazy, crazy break, so. And I'm sure it'll be edited down. Oh, that's me. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. The Boot and Dana signing off for the time being. As we sit in awe here at rehearsals on the Conan O'Brien show. Shoot a papa in blankets, took your dog's ass in blankets, lick my cat butt in blankets. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm done. All right, we're going to watch Conan. I'm going to let Dana get a little bit more nervous. You're going to do fine. This is going to be fun, 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 fun. Okay, we're done. We're going to hopefully be with Conan next time. Okay, bye.